Hey, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bible and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What we just witnessed, what we've been talking about over the last few Sundays together is this idea of good news. Good news, good news of, of true hope, good news of amazing grace, good news of lasting and deep joy. And at Christmas time, when we talk about good news, you, you remember the good news that was announced that very first night. And, and, and even if you're not really a churchy person, like this verse would be familiar to you. Because if, if you grew up kind of the age I am, like Linus crushed this verse in Charlie Brown's Christmas, right? So, so here's the verse. I got it up on the screen here for you so you can see it. It says, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's that very first Christmas night. The, the angels appear to, to really what would be the most unlikely ones to get a message of good news, of, of hope and joy. These shepherds looking after their sheep late at night, and these angels come and give this incredible message. Now, when you think angel, the, the literal definition of the word angel is messenger. It's messenger. And they come with this message of, of new life. And so here's what I want us to see this morning quickly is this. I want to see the, this reality for everyone in this room who would call themselves a Christ follower. For everyone who's a Christian, there's, there's a reality for you from this message of good news. And, and maybe you're here this morning, you're like, well, I'm not actually a Jesus follower. I, I just came, I, I braved the snow and rolled in. I'm here because someone's getting baptized. I mean, I'm glad you're here. And my hope is that you've heard in the stories of those being baptized. My hope is that you hear in the verses we're going to talk about this morning, the reality of the good news of Jesus. And I'm hoping and praying that this is a Christmas season where so many experience new life. I'm hoping and praying that as we go into the new year that, that what we just witnessed here, we'll just be able to do more and more of these into the new year of people getting up saying, man, this is what Jesus did for me. My, my hope is that testimonies in the tank will be this. Man, it was that one Christmas where somebody shared this good news. I mean, here's what I'm praying as well. My hope is this, that as a church, for those who are here, you call Harvest Home or you call yourself a, a Christ follower, that there'd this, be this trajectory that would have us move from being those who've received the good news to be those who go out with the good news across our community to, to the ends of the earth. And I don't presume that all those hopes, I don't presume that I can make any of those happen, that only God can. So let me pray for us real quick before we jump into the word. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that um, you do what only you can do over these next few moments we have together. I pray that you would speak supernaturally to every single heart in this room to give us courage, to give us a humility to do whatever you're calling us to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Or if you've got your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 17 this morning. And, and this is the Apostle Paul writing to this church in Corinth and, and, and writing to us as we're reading it here now. And it's how he describes the good news announced by the angels. If you have your Bibles open, start in verse 17. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here's what I want us to see this morning, just two things, two realities, two deep truths, two certainties for every Christian here this morning. The first one you're gonna see is right here in verse 17. Here, here's the, the first reality for you as a Christ follower. You're a new creation. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. If you're taking notes, you, this is our first point. I am a new creation. If you are in Christ. Now, what's that mean? What's it mean to be a new creation? We're going to look at a bunch of verses this morning. And then as, I, as we go through these verses this morning, I, I, really, it's, it may seem like a lot of verses, but we're just scratching the surface. In fact, I cut out a ton because I knew, man, we got a lot going on this morning. And, and, and there's so much. But let, let me summarize, though, what this verse is saying. It's saying this, all of us have sinned against God. We, we've all turned to our own ways. We, we, we've all done that. And because of that sin, we're now separated from God. And if you, if you die in that state of being separated from God, you're gonna spend eternity separated from him. Now, here's the reality. We, we are not people who make mistakes and we just need a really good life coach. No, we're sinners in need of a savior. And that's not the easiest thing to hear, is it? that we're sinners. I mean, it's, it's offensive to call somebody a sinner. Do you, do you know why I get offended when somebody calls me a sinner? You're right, because I'm a prideful sinner, right? Like nobody likes being called that. And, and, and yet, when, when you think about it, there's, there's nobody in this room who would claim to be perfect, who would say, I got this thing all figured out. I've got it all together. No, no, none of us do. In fact, in fact it's not even that we don't meet God's holy righteous law. We can't even keep our own personal laws, right? Think about it. Do you ever break a promise you've made to yourself? Like we're a couple weeks away from making a lot of promises we're gonna break by February, right? <laughs> Listen, that's what makes the good news such good news. Listen, when I say I'm a Christian, here's what I'm saying. I'm needy, I'm messed up. I don't have my stuff together. I need Jesus. And Jesus came to do for us what only he could do. We couldn't do this for ourselves, and that is such good news, that God loves you and has done the unthinkable, that although we deserve to be left in our sin, he's come to us. In Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Jesus lives the perfect life with no sin. And even though he had no sin, he chose to die for us in our place, on the cross, to pay the price that we deserve to pay. Look at verse 18. It says, all of this from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. It says it again in verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. God doesn't count your sin against you. And so, so while we would say this, that yes, we're sinners in need of a savior, as a Christian on the other side of the cross now, it's no longer your identity. There, there's this radical change in you. Brought through Jesus. Think about this, that God, the holy, righteous creator of the universe, would look on you as a Christ follower and, and not see sinner anymore, but instead see the righteousness of Christ. Verse 21 says it. For our sake he, God, made him sin who knew no sin, that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. That's good news. You are a new creation. You go from being separated from God because of sin and now reconciled to him. It changes everything. You, you now get to be in a right relationship with your creator and so you experience an entirely new life with a completely new heart. 
If I go right to the very beginning of Corinthians, of 2 Corinthians, just a couple pages back. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me kind of burn through, just, just making our way up to where we are in the text. And let, let me just show you, just going through just this book and just explain, hey, what does this idea of being a new creation look like? Look, look at verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, that's who's writing the letter. He says, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Now, he's writing to Corinthians. If, if you know anything about the church in Corinth, they were a pretty jacked up, messed up church. They would come to communion drunk, okay? So I don't know what happens in, in your life or what goes on in our church, but that's, that's kind of a, a, a pretty far down the road, right? And, and, and yet, what's he say? To those who know Jesus, he says, you're saints. You, you have a new identity. So being a, a new creation gives you this new identity, no longer sinner, but now in Christ, a saint. Look at verse two. Don't worry, I'm not gonna read the whole book, but look at verse two. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You have new peace. Look at verse four. Who comforts us in, in, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. We have, we have new comfort. Look down at verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again, a new hope for us. Look at verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him, in Jesus. All the promises. We have these new promises, a, a, a promise, a, a guaranteed promise in Jesus. Look at chapter two, verses 14 to 16. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, though he spreads through us, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, the other a fragrance from life to life. We have a new aroma about us. Now, that's a little weird thing to say. You, you smell differently, all right? Get in the context of what's being said here. This is not actually talking about body odor, right? So, so junior high boys, keep wearing deodorant, please, all right? Here, here's what it's saying, though. The, the fragrance of Christ's character is on you. It's, it's, it's when people say, man, you remind me of Jesus. It's because you're a new creation, you begin to be able to live like Jesus, to, to smell like, to, to have the sound of Jesus. Look at chapter 3, verse 12. What does a new creation mean? Verse 12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. There's a new boldness in Christ. Look at verse 17 of chapter 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's a new freedom we now have. Chapter 4, verse 6. Let's keep going. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. You have new sight as a new believer, as a new creation where you actually see Jesus. It's great when you hear those testimonies where somebody says, man, I kind of thought I knew. I had a bit of a knowledge of some things. And then just there was this moment, this, this time where God got a hold of my heart and I'm like, I see clearly now. I see who Christ is. I see who I am. There's a, a new sight Look at verses eight to 10 of chapter four. It says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body of death, 
in, in the body, the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. We have a new confidence in Christ. It doesn't mean that life isn't hard, that life isn't difficult, especially, listen, especially as you stand up to declare the good news and to live a life like Jesus, persecution and trials will come. But you have this new confidence where you say, man, even in trials, I know God's not left me. God's not forsaken me. Look at chapter four, verse 17 to 18. It says, for this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We see we have a new future. Look at the future described again in verse one of chapter five. For we know that if the tent, which is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We have a new home for us in heaven as new creations. Look at verse five. It goes on. He who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us his spirit as a guarantee. We have a a guaranteed hope for eternity. Look at verse six. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we're not home in the body, we're away from the, while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we're of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body at home with the Lord. So as, as new creation, we have a new courage. We know this is not my home. I don't need to freak out about my time here on earth because I have a home waiting for me. Look at verse nine. So whether we're at home or away, in heaven or here, we make it our aim to please him. We have a a new aim. My my life is no longer my own. I'm a new creation. God, God, I want to live for you alone. What are you calling me to? Verse 14 and 15 of chapter 5. For the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all that choose, that those who might live no longer live for them, those who might live, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We have a new motivation. As a new creation, you're, you're not controlled by your circumstances like you would have been before. You're not controlled by people, not controlled by, by, by what social media tells me that today I need to be enraged about this. Now, that doesn't control us any longer, but, but our love for Jesus now is the motivating force behind our lives. Look at verse 16 of chapter five. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. We have a new perspective. Now filled with the spirit, we, we recognize Jesus physically isn't here, but, but his spirit now in every new believer, we have this new perspective. Now the things of earth don't seem as important and we see people now with eternity in mind. Listen, when you place your faith in Jesus, you have a new identity. You're not determined by your sin anymore, not defined by what you've done in your past. You're not defined by by what other people might say about you, not not defined even by what you might think or believe about yourself, but instead you're defined now by God's grace. Man, I I just burned through just a few verses, a few chapters in, in 2 Corinthians. Here's some homework for you. I would encourage you to do this, to really get a hold of, man, what's it mean that I'm a new creation? Maybe sometime this week, go to Ephesians chapter one and just read Ephesians chapter one. Maybe read it over and over again this week, just kind of unpacking it, study it, and and see what it means in there. What what does God call us to there in that chapter? It's packed full of what it means to be a new creation. 
to have new peace, new comfort, new hope, new strength, new help, new promises, new joy. You're an entirely new person. New righteousness. No longer separated from God. You, you now boldly come before God as a son or a daughter. You have this new freedom. Freedom from, from sin, from addiction. Freedom from fear. Freedom from anxiety. Freedom from needing some special ritual you need to go through to bring you this freedom. Like, man, I got it in Christ right now. I mean, the people Paul's writing to in this letter here are people who, who when you read through 1 Corinthians, the first letter he wrote to them, Remember I said they're coming to church, they're getting drunk during communion. Not only that, they would leave the church service and go to the pagan temples to, for demonic worship. What? In fact, Paul said you're fellowshipping with demons. You're coming to church, you're fellowshipping with demons at the same time. So what does Paul do? What's he say? He says, you're new creations. He says, hey, here's the 12-step thing you've got to go through if you want to separate yourself from that. He just says, no, listen, in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, examine your heart. Confess your sin, repent, and turn from it. He's saying this, hey, listen, don't, don't align yourself with a demonic. Live out of the new creation of what you are. That's the incredible freedom you have as a Christian. I'm not saying there won't be trials. And I'm not saying that deep-rooted sin is, is simple or easy to turn away from or that, that Satan's not going to be at work lying to you. But listen, his lie is mostly this, to convince you that you are not a new creation. And he'll remind you of your sin. He'll ask you, hey, let's go back through your, through your past. Let's bring up all those sins again. He's, he's going to remind you of your shortcomings, your failures. He's going to make the yoke of Jesus seem heavy and complicated. If you know Christ, you're filled with the Spirit. You're a new creation with a new hope and a new future. I mean, that's good news. That's why the angels that night in Bethlehem were not keeping quiet about this. It's why they were shouting it out. If you go back to the scene in Bethlehem, these angels are announcing good news. But here's the second truth about you as a Christian. The first is this, you are a new creation. But if an angel is called a messenger, in a sense, you and I are called to be angels as well, to be messengers. Here's the second truth about you as a Christ follower. You could say, I'm a new creation, but also this, I'm a messenger. I'm a messenger. I mean, think of it this way, that maybe this Christmas, you'll be somebody's Christmas angel to bring good news. Now, I know there's not one Muskoka man in the room who's like, I've always wanted to be a Christmas angel. Like, I, right, I get that, all right? I get that, but... but Remember, the meaning of the word angel, it means this, messenger. You and I are called to be the same as those angels, to be messengers, to bring good news to, to a lost and hurting world. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a new creation and you have a new calling on your life. Look again at verse 18 of chapter five. Remember, it said, all of this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So that's us. We're a new creation. Then it goes on and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And again, it says, and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. 
ambassadors for Christ. Really, another way of saying this, we're angels with a message of good news. That's our calling as Christians. That we get to spread this good news of, of reconciliation, bringing people back into relationship with God to experience all that that means to be a new creation. That's our new identity. Our new identity is, is that we are ambassadors. It means this, we don't represent ourselves any longer. We're not under our own authority anymore. We, it's not our opinions that matter. No, we're ambassadors, meaning this, we represent another kingdom, the kingdom of God to this world. I love what it even says that, that God is making his appeal through us, that he's pleading through you. You're literally, literally, we say this all the time and maybe it kind of goes in one ear and out the other because it's such a common saying, but literally the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. God's saying, I'm making the appeal. I'm pleading through you that, that you would listen like Jesus. You would speak like Jesus. You, you would come alongside people like Jesus. You would bring this good news. Man, it's so important, but how often in churches is it ignored? So many professing Christians so content to being reconciled to God in Christ but have missed out on what it means now to be an ambassador for Christ in the world. So how's that play out? What's that look like to be an ambassador? Now, now here's what I know. Anytime a pastor starts talking about sharing your faith or evangelism or witnessing, it gets super uncomfortable in the room, right? Some of you are like, I'm not uncomfortable, I love it. I know, and there's those bold, weird people that just don't mind just busting it out, right? And there's a, a lot of other people are like, man, this is hard. How am I gonna, and it can be intimidating, right? Well, what if they ask me questions about the Bible that I don't know? You might be like, I, I love Jesus. Like, like I, I love church. I serve in my church. When I come, I worship. I, I even close my eyes and raise my hands sometimes. Like I'm all in, right? Like I, I, but, but it's not easy to lean over to the guy I'm working beside on Monday and say, hey, Joe, you know you're going to hell, right? Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I get it. It's not easy. But again, it starts from this first reality. It starts from the reality of this. You are a new creation. Do you see in these verses here that the witness actually flows out of the transformation? You encounter Jesus. Let me ask you this before we move on to being an ambassador. Have you encountered Jesus in a way that your life has been transformed? If you're a believer in Jesus, you've been made new. You've been filled with his spirit to be, to be a messenger, to be a witness because I believe this, when you're overwhelmed with the gospel, it can't help but spill out. The, the result of being a new creation doesn't just get in you, it, it spills out everywhere. And so, so as, as we bring this message home this morning, I want to talk real practically, how do we do this? As we love people, because why, why do we love people and we, we care about where they're going to spend eternity, right? So it's, it's going to be love that compels us, the, the reality of eternity that compels us. I, mean, I love how Charles Spurgeon, my favorite dead preacher, says it this way. He says, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And I cannot wait to meet this guy in heaven, Right? Who says that? That's awesome. He says this, and if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and, not, and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. Awesome. But listen, this is not a guilt sermon, okay? We're called to share, but the sharing, as we share the good news, we recognize only God can change a heart. 
And so, so where do we begin as we become these angels at Christmas? Where do we begin as we are these messengers? I would say this, first begin here, pray. It starts with prayer. Pray for an opportunity. God, God would, you, would you give me a chance to share my faith? I'm telling you, God loves to answer those prayers. And I promise you, if you start praying, God, give me an opportunity to share my faith at work or give me an opportunity to share my faith at school, you're going to walk into school and work differently. You'll start to hear and see things differently. Maybe someone will come up to you and say, hey man, I don't understand how you're so calm through, through all the craziness going on in our world. How are you not freaking out about stuff? You'll be able to say, you know what's crazy? You asked me that so wild because I actually have a ton of fears. I, like I, I, I'm not all calm about this, but I, I know this. I know who has their hand on all of this. I know who has their hand on my life. And, and I'm not naturally a calm person, but I met Jesus. Or maybe the Spirit prompts you and you grab one of the invite cards to Christmas Eve and, and maybe because you're praying and God leads you to that person you're working with, you're like, hey, can I invite you out to my church? And maybe they'll say back to you, you go to church? Man, I would never peg you as a church guy. And you say, yeah, you're right. That's why I need a savior. That's why I go. Right, start with prayer. Begin to pray. Secondly, I would say this, pray. Then secondly, share an invitation. That, that's another way we can be messengers of good news. Just share an invitation. Now, I, I love in John chapter one, Jesus calls Philip to follow him and Philip right away goes to grab his brother Nathaniel. And he's like, Nathan, man, I, I met the Messiah. The one that, that Moses and the prophets talked about and wrote about, he's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel says this, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, this isn't just a dig against Nazareth being like this podunk town, right? It's not, not, not Nathaniel just kind of digging on a town. Here, here's the other reality of this. Nathaniel knows the Old Testament. He, he would know that the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So what do you mean the Jesus of Nazareth? Now, now did Philip know the answer to, to respond to Nathaniel? No, he didn't. He's like, yeah, I, I don't know. Just come meet him. Come and see, the text says. So Nathanael goes to meet Jesus and, and, and Jesus blows his mind because Jesus says, hey, yeah, I saw you under the tree when, when you, the, the other day. When, and, and, and you're like, yeah, Jesus isn't, isn't like kind of scoping through his, his Instagram, right? Like Jesus sees Nathanael because he's Jesus, God the Son. Nathanael's like, what? You saw this happen? And, and, and he meets Jesus and he, he doesn't get all of his questions answered, but, but Jesus doesn't explain to him, here's my lineage, yeah, I know, Bethlehem, because that's actually where I was born, and, and here's where I'm from, the line of David. No, he doesn't do all of that, but Nathaniel meets Jesus, and his whole life is changed. It's a supernatural thing. Let's not forget that. I mean, have you ever shown up in church, or maybe you invited a friend to church, hey, why don't you come to my church, and, and you're sitting there, and during the message, your friend leans over and is like, hey, did you tell the pastor about me? Why is he preaching about that, Right? You ever had that where you're like, man, is, is Pastor Kai reading my journals? Like, why is he? Here's the thing. I am not that good, right? I am opening up God's word, fumbling my way through going, here's what God's word says. And the spirit of God takes that and supernaturally does his thing with it. So we just share. We invite. Hey, listen, I know you got a lot of questions and, and, and you got a lot going on in your life. Why don't you just come and see for yourself? Because I think this Jesus is who he says he is. And I, I, I believe when it says he died on the cross, he died for you. And I'm praying that this Christmas Eve, that all three of our church locations would be jam-packed on Christmas Eve. 
full of people who are just given an invitation by someone who says, I don't have all the answers, just, why don't you just come? And you're trusting that by faith that there's something more going on than just singing some songs and hearing a message, but God's spirit is drawing people and you just, with faith, wait and see what's Jesus gonna do. Maybe someone like Nathaniel will show up, will say yes, will take the invitation and come with all these questions and, and you've been praying for them like crazy and maybe that person will bump into Jesus and have their own encounter with him. So share an invitation. Here's another way you can do it. You can share your story. I love how John 9 talks about a blind guy who meets Jesus. Jesus heals this guy who's blind. And then for the rest of chapter 9, everyone's bugging him saying, hey, hey, how did this happen? And he just will not shut up about his story. He's, he's just all the way through. He shares his story with everybody. His neighbors, the religious leaders are questioning him. And like, hey, aren't you the blind guy you used to beg outside the temple? He goes, yeah, yeah, that was me. I'm the man. That's who I was. Man, I was blind. I met Jesus. Now I see. And they start asking a ton of questions. Yeah, but how did it happen? I don't know. I was blind. I met Jesus. And now I see. That's his whole story. He, he, he doesn't know if he's a premillennialist or a Calvinist. He doesn't know all the doctrines, right? He's got a story. And so, I mean, honestly, read through chapter nine. It's hilarious because the religious leaders are pressing in on him. Yeah, but how? But why? And are you sure? And, and do you think Jesus is actually demonic? He's like, I don't know. I was blind. I met Jesus. Ta-da! <laughs> right? That's his story. In fact, he even says, he reaches out to him and he goes, do you want to follow him too? Like, he's like, let me tell you my story because maybe you need to see Jesus. Wherever he goes, he can't stop talking about Jesus. Listen, when the gospel gets in you, when it makes you a new creation, it can't just stay in you. I mean, Jesus says it this way, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If Jesus is in your heart, he's going to spill out. Share your story. Yeah, but what about this doctrine? I don't know. I'm just telling you, man. I met Jesus. I was blind. Now I see. Here's another way we can be messengers. You, you can share your life where you can see needs of people around you and you step in. You can listen well to people. You can pray for people. When, when we're messengers, listen, when you share your faith, listen, these are people, not projects. And so out of love, we, we, we look to share our life with people, to share another cup of coffee, to, to share burdens, to share pain, to share tears, and to pray like crazy, God, would you open their hearts? Would you give me an opportunity as I, as I love this family, this person, as I, I just show them Jesus, would you give me an opportunity to share my story or to share the gospel? As the worship team comes up, that's the fifth way we are messengers we pray, we share an invitation, we share a story, we share a life. Listen, we share the gospel. We share the good news that, that we are all separated from God because of our sin, but God being rich in mercy didn't leave us that way. Look at verse 21 of chapter five. This is the gospel summed up in this verse. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel. Jesus came to live the perfect life that we couldn't live. Then he died in our place, paying the penalty for our sin that we should have paid. He rose again on the third day to conquer sin and death. And so now, by faith, when you place your whole hope, your whole life on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, you are forgiven and made completely new. That's the good news. But for something to be news, it has to be told. 
unreported news is not news. I pray this. I pray that across this room we would have an opportunity to share the gospel. You know, the whole reason we have First and Second Corinthians is because a guy named Paul who was sitting in his church in Antioch, the Spirit called him and Barnabas to go to take the gospel where it hadn't yet gone. They go out with the good news. So my question I want to leave with you as we end off in worship and then a quick announcement about where we're going as a church. But I want to ask you this, two questions. First is this, are you a new creation? Have you made a decision to follow Jesus? If you haven't, you can today. And all the truths I just read to you from scripture can be truths about you. New hope, new life, new joy, new peace, new heart, new ambitions. Are you a new creation? And if you're here this morning, like, man, I am. I've given my life to Jesus. My question to you is, are you a messenger of this good news? Someone said to me just a little while ago, we're all messengers. Some of us are just really crappy ones, right? Your life is always saying a message. Listen, we're called to be ambassadors of the kingdom. It's hard, it's scary, and yet God promises, I'll be with you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. God promises, I'm the one changing hearts. You just go be an ambassador. Are you a new creation? Are you a messenger of this good news? Stand with me as I pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. The truth that says that for those who are in Christ, we are new creations. No matter what else we've been taught, no matter what else we believe, no matter what else we think about ourselves, that that's gospel, biblical truth. From sinners to saints, from blind to seeing, from lost to found, from stranger to sons and daughters. Well, God, I thank you for the truth of that. I pray that that never gets old for us, that that amazing grace would stay amazing every single day. God, as we open up your word, we'd see again the truths of, of what you did for us, your love displayed for us, your steadfast love. And God, that that would spur us, that that would spill out of us, that we go out of here, we go into our community, even in our weakness and our struggling, that we go out with the good news of the gospel, that we realize we don't need to be perfect. You are perfect. And in our weakness, you're made strong. We're jars of clay with a treasure in us, a treasure that we're pointing others to say, listen, I don't have it all figured out, but I know who does. So God, I pray this. I pray that this Christmas, God, would be a unique Christmas like no other. Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, by your spirit, I pray by faith, God, that this be a Christmas of new life. Lord, I pray for those people who, even right now, they're, they're picturing the family member or the friend or the coworker saying, God, could it be so? Could, could they find new life? Lord, that would be what would happen, Lord, and you would use us to do it, that we'd speak a word, we'd come alongside, we'd share our story, and God, this Christmas, we'd say, man, did God ever move? God, thank you that we're new creations. Thank you that you entrust us to be your messengers. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.